We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Feel the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Feel the 68. After that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Dosser. I got Jeff Goodman with me, unfortunately. I got John Henson with me. We are presented by our partners over at BetMGM, and we have a fun slate of hoops. It was a little bit of a quiet Saturday. Uh, it's always awkward when you get into this uh, the, this week between Christmas and New Year's when you have some high majors that are playing by games and you have a couple of random conference games thrown there. And every once in a while, you get a Creighton and again, a Marquette and a showdown like that. So we're going to get into that game a little bit. We're also going to talk about the ACC and, you know, what the hell happened there. Virginia got embarrassed. Uh, Pitt and Syracuse played a great game, but it looks like neither of those teams are going to be anything all that impressive this year. Uh, Florida State took a loss at home to Lipscomb. That is a conference that looks like it is going to be uh, interesting to, uh, to kind to break down we have a north carolina i'm going to call you a legend henson you know i always call you a north carolina legend he's here on the show with us he's going to tell us why north a carolina legend in his own hey, mind John I, I, I was i was digging through storage because i had to clear my storage unit out and i found my defensive player of the year trophies i found my first team trophies i'm like oh look at these old things i dusted them off i threw them behind me man so i appreciate the shout out hey henson how many first team uh all league trophies does goodman have right now Ooh, I mean, depends on his area of expertise. Now, in the sports media world, I mean, he's for sure got some first-team All-Americans, for sure. <laughs> oh, See, Henson's man. taking care of me. Oh, Look man. at that. Oh, Henson man. remembers. Henson. I made him famous. Come on, back in the day, I think I made, you know, John Henson famous when he was a high school kid coming out of Tampa. Nobody knew who he was. And uh, right. all of a sudden, I put him up. Now nah, he put himself on the map. But Jeff was one of the first guys I remember talking to, like, and him being like, "All right, I'm about to, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write about you. Like, you, you know, you might be something I, I could talk about." Well, there, there are your trophies right there in the background that uh, that everybody can see. You weren't like lying it. about it. We got. He does have trophies. He does have awards. Um, the last thing that we are going to get to here at some point in this show, probably towards the end, is 
Uh, I want to talk about Indiana State. I want to talk about McNeese State. We're going to talk about the Michigan schools, but I want to throw some names at you guys in terms of the uh, most dangerous mid-majors in college basketball, the Cinderella's, if you will, the teams that are going to have a chance to be able to make that run to the second weekend. Everybody loves themselves a good Cinderella, a good media darling. Before we do all that, though, we have to talk about the biggest game of the day, Marquette against Creighton, the Golden Eagles, Took down the Blue Jays 72-67 to in a game that was uh, it was not pretty in the first half, Goodman. But in the second half, Marquette found another gear. Sean Jones woke up. David Joplin woke up. Tyler Kolek, who you're going to hear from here in a minute, did his thing. And Marquette ended up winning and, most importantly, covering the three and a half. Correct. They did. And, and to me, it was... It was their defense. It was their defense and, and the rebounding in the second half. They made some shots, too. The shots that they didn't make in the first half, they were, I think, three for 20 in the first half from three. Couldn't make anything. And, uh, you know, Kolick was just Tyler Kolick, right, for the most part. But I, I thought it was Sean Jones who changed the game because he's a guy who, who's such a great on-ball defender and a pest who gets out there and can change the game on that end. But they left him open. He had made, I think, four threes a whole year. And he makes three out of five tonight or today. And, again, they're daring him to, to take those shots. And it's kind of like what we talk about with other players around the country, you know, Dewan Harris. Like, you you got to take him with some confidence. You can't just sit there because you're going to hurt your team if you don't take him. And you should be able to make uncontested threes at a – we're not asking you, Sean Jones, to make him at a, at a 60% clip. We're making make him one out of every three. And he made three big ones, including one late tonight that I thought, again, completely changed the game. But I thought it was – you know, Oso was so good on the glass. And what they do better than any team in the country, they, they tap the ball out uh, to their guards and get second possessions that way on the offensive glass better than any team in the country right now. Henson, go ahead. I, I think, you know, Marquette won this game, but Creighton had control. I think in the first half, they were going to Kalkburn a little more, getting him involved because when he did get the ball, no one could really guard him. And the way they were shooting the ball early, that was kind of the story of the game. Marquette sped them up. I think Creighton was overpassing, if that's possible. Um, and down the stretch, you know, those big-time threes by um, Jones, which, you know, kind of put Marquette in a position to, to take over the game was the story of the game. But uh, I did like how Creighton looked from a team standpoint. They just – Marquette just wore them down defensively and uh, – kind of sped them up a little bit. And I think they were almost doing a little too much passing, shoot, shooting a lot of bad shots when the clock was running down when they had easier shots earlier in the shot clock. Yeah, they they I think they had like three or four shot clock violations and another mm -hmm. three or four possessions where it was like they're, they're firing something up with about two seconds left on the clock just to be able to get it up. I think uh, what we saw was one of the big reasons why I'm really concerned about what Creighton can end up being because if they can't get anything out of their sets, out of their offense, out of what they're running, I don't think they have a guy that can go make something easy happen for somebody else. You know, you get down to an end of a clock, Cam Jones can go get you a, a shot, right? Or Tyler Colette can make something happen, create a bucket for somebody else. And I don't know if Creighton necessarily has that. Um, I came out of this game. Uh, I want you guys to tell me if this is crazy. I came out of this game a little bit more concerned about Marquette when we are talking about the national title picture than I was heading into this game. And um, I, the reason why is I feel like they're they're one guy short, right? The re I, I was into Marquette 
as a potential title contender before the season started because I was expecting J- David Joplin to be able to take a big step forward, either David Joplin or, or Chase Ross. Uh, Joplin's actually averaging fewer points this year. He's shooting a lower percentage from the field. He's shooting a lower percentage from three. He's shooting a lower percentage from the line. His numbers are basically down across the board, despite the fact that he's playing more minutes and getting starters minutes. Um, Chase Ross, it's kind of the same thing, right? And when you don't have that absolute defensive stopper out there in the form of Omax Prosper, um, you don't really have another guy that's a big wing. So you're looking at a situation where they're rolling out lineups with four guards that are six foot four or smaller, or when Joplin's out there, you got a guy that's supposed to be your matchup problem offensively, and he's kind of not there yet. So uh, it feels like this is a two-man show where their best defensive lineup um, has two to three guys that you don't have to guard beyond the three-point line, and the best offensive lineup has too many guys that are a liability on the defensive end. So I'm kind of waiting for for the breakout, right? I, I, I just don't think that we've seen that yet from Joplin or Chase Ross, and I think kind of figuring that out will be what gets me back on board with Marquette. But as it is, Goodman, I just I feel like they're one guy short. Does that make sense? No, I'm 100% with you there. You know, one of those guys has to step up and be consistent. And we thought it was going to be Joplin, and, and he's just been a piece, right? And, and they need a third dude because Oso's not like a – you know, again, the way he and Kolek play together, sometimes he can go for 20, but he, he's not a big-time offensive weapon. Now, I'll put their backcourt up against just about anybody in the country. So they totally can get favorite. hot in the tournament. They can get hot in the tournament and win four straight. And it wouldn't surprise you, but the margin for error where Kolick and Cam Jones cannot have a bad game in the tournament in order to do that, right? In order for them to to go deep. But I could see those dudes going, you know, getting hot and staying hot for four games and getting the final four. And then who knows what happens. Yeah. And the, the one thing that I'll say, Henson, is that when you see Sean Jones come off the bench for 15, like that is the kind of thing that you need. Like you need another guy that's going to be able to go out there and get you 12, 13, 14, 15 on a given night. And now maybe that's something where it's sometimes it's going to be Joplin. Sometimes it's going to be Sean Jones. Sometimes it'll be Chase Ross. Sometimes it'll be Ben Gold. But like, I feel like they just don't have the the consistency from that, that third weapon that can make something happen. Yeah. It's, it's got a going to, the third option is going to kind of be a committee third option. They're going to have to shock us. Mars going to have to see who's feeling it, who's not feeling it. And if nobody's feeling it, they're in trouble. So hopefully that doesn't happen down the stretch in the tournament when they do get there uh, matchup-wise. But there's a lot of pressure on, on Tyler Kolick specifically. I mean, if you watch the game, I mean, he's forcing a little more stuff than he usually does than he did last year. So, you know, it's kind of all on him. And then, you know, who's going to come along with him? And I think that will be the downfall, Rob. You said, like, you, you made a good point. I don't know if they're a national title favorite because when it comes down to it and – they focus on those two guys they have on the perimeter, which is one of the best backcourts in the country. Who is going to keep them afloat if those guys aren't able to do what they need to do, which in the first half they weren't necessarily, and you saw what happened. Creighton was about a three-pointer away from blowing this thing open. They hit some timely threes to keep it close. All right, uh, Jeff, we were able to catch up with Tyler Kolek earlier, who uh, I think the most important part of the conversation uh, that we had was he he pushed back a little bit on our fashion correspondent, Cam Jones, who threw him under the bus about three weeks ago. Wow. And now let me welcome on to the field of 68 after dark. 
The best point guard in America, according to Jeff Goodman, Tyler Kolek, fresh off of a 72-67 win for the Marquette Golden Eagles over Creighton. He finished with 15 points, eight assists, four boards, and three steals. Tyler, it wasn't the prettiest basketball game we've ever seen, but you guys got to go into the second half. Sean Jones, David Joplin made some big threes for you. You guys pulled out the win. How are you feeling right now? Feeling good. I mean, you know, in the Big East, every every night's going to be a war. It's going to be a grind. Uh, so we just got to find a way to win. And, you know, I think in the first half we were three for 20. But, you know, we played great defense and put ourselves in great position down two going into half. And, you know, in the second half, just, just playing market basketball, still defending. And, you know, we got lucky some shots fell for us. How important was this one for you, Tyler? Because obviously against Providence, we, we know how hard a place uh, that is to win. Yeah. You know, and with you going back home and, and playing that way and, and kind of getting blown out, how important was this to get this win? Yeah, you know, I felt like we were in a good place going again, uh, going into the game against Georgetown. Um, and then coming into this game, we, we kind of wanted to stay there and stay, stay where we've been. Uh, you know, we, were, we were kind of rolling before that Providence game, but we've had some struggles on the road this year. You know, we've been to some tough environments, uh, Wisconsin, Providence. Uh, we did win at Illinois on the road, but uh, – you know, we just got to flip our mentality at home. I think we've been really good. You know, our crowd's behind us. I think we set our attendance record today for most people ever to watch a game in Pfizer, including the Bucks. Uh, so it was, it, it's a special crowd. You know, our, our team has great energy at home. So so we felt good today for sure. That, hey, that's, that's because you're a bigger draw than Pat Connaughton and, and Giannis. <laughs> no, nah, that's my guy. Hey, hey. he's, he's got to get out there a little more. I got to talk to the coach. Uh, I mentioned Sean Jones earlier. He had a couple big threes in the second half. He was three for five today. Uh, he came in four for 28 on the season from three. How important is it for him to be able to knock down shots when teams are daring him to shoot? Yeah, he's kind of in a similar spot that I was in my first year when I came here. Uh, you know, really working hard, working working on my three ball, and and it's, it's going in practice. It's going when I'm working out, and it's just not going in the games. And, you know, I think – I've been really having great conversation with him, just telling him to keep trusting him, keep trusting him, and it'll come. And, you know, he's huge for us because he's so fast, and, and teams got to stag off him because they, they can't keep him in front. So him making a couple of threes, that's huge for his confidence, for sure. Tyler, how, how important has it been for you? Because everybody kind of looks at your numbers now and they're like, all right, he, he does everything, but he could score more if he wants to. How How has that been this year? compared to even last year in terms of trying to involve your teammates even more, trying to make sure that, again, a Sean Jones is making shots and playing with confidence. You know, also playing with confidence. Every, I mean, you're playing that two-man game with them all the time. I think I think it's just natural. I mean, the way that we play is, you know, I think this year I'm, I'm doing a better job of picking my spots, you know, whether it be post-ups or, or, you know, in the pick and roll being more aggressive or, just off the catch and shoots, I could, I could definitely be more aggressive off those. But, you know, just just picking my my personal spots because, you know, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to get those other guys involved. They're going to get their shots off of me. So, you know, I, I feel like I, I've taken that next step and really, you know, trying to control all aspects and not just focusing on getting those guys involved, but focusing kind of getting myself going too. I think it's fair to say that you guys did not play anything close to your A game tonight, especially in the first half. Uh, Oso struggled. Cam Jones didn't really get it going. Um but you were still able to come out and get a win over one of the probably three or four teams that you're going to be competing for Big East championships with. What does that say about this group that you have? 
Yeah, I, I think we can win in a variety of different ways. Uh, you know, a lot of questions coming into the year about our defense. Uh, you know, we lost Omax Prosper. It was who's going to fill that role, who, who, who can step up and, and be that defender. Um, you know, but we got guys, We, you know, myself included, Cam Jones included, you know, we aren't regarded as, you know, defensive-minded guys just because, you know, on the other end, we, we are what we are. So, but, you know, we, we really try our ass off, man. We play hard, you know. All those guys empower us to, to really play hard. And, and I think me and him have just taken the next step of, of really taking pride down on that end. And, and that turns everybody else up. When they see us in a stance really wanting to guard, then they really want to guard because that, that's really their main role. Hey, what, I think without a doubt, hold on, talking. hold on, Goodman. I got to follow up on that. You mentioned yourself in the defensive stance. Is uh, the Shaka still have the best defensive stance? I just team? saw that clip of him sliding on the sideline. <laughs> hey, six man of the year de- defending. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hey, what what were you talking shit to Kalkbrenner before you went to the line at the end? What did you no, say to him? I was, I was talking to uh, to to Shire, man. We were just friendly banter. I was telling he he told me to miss one. I said fifty forty ninety. I can't do that. Uh, no, you cannot. All right, so, hey, Cam Jones killed both of us. He killed me a lot worse than he killed you when he came on here, his debut for our fashion correspondent, right? So I stepped up my game here. I, I know you didn't have time to step up your game, but he 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 honestly divulged a huge secret about you that I don't know if you really want it out there. Um, do you want to address this? Cam Jones throwing you under the bus uh, for 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 what you wear uh, underneath your shorts during games. We're dressing my fit, but do you just have the top or is it the full suit? No, I got sweatpants on. I, <laughs> I got sweats on. <laughs> you're, you're cheating. You're cheating yourself. Yes. But no, he. Uh, that, that's my guy. I mean, I, I, he's he was wearing something today. I said it in the guards in the guards huddle. We huddled after. I said. I said, if we look, if we play as good as Cam looks today, then we'll be all right. <laughs> but he had some, some uh, like button up on. It was some fur. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not as into fashion as he is. But he did expose me a little bit. That's my little secret. Uh, you know, all the guys in the locker room, even even at my old school, they all say the same thing. Like, how, how do you even do that? But it's just, it's, it's freeing. You know, it, it feels good. Freeing. It's freeing. I love it. I love it. Listen, uh, congrats on the win. Uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Tell your family I said the same. And uh, listen, from now on, play play like the number one point guard the whole game, not just for 20 minutes next time, all right? <laughs> I got you. I'll pick it up for you next time. Jesus. <laughs> that was Tyler Kolek, uh, first-team All-American point lie. guard. Jeff Goodman's favorite point guard in uh, in in college basketball, I think, at this point, uh, who is defending the fact that he wears the. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Henson. We were making fun of him because Cam Jones outed him for wearing just the Hanes boxers when he plays basketball. He's not wearing the compression shorts, not wearing the boxer briefs, just straight up Hanes boxers when he plays basketball, which is a wild. Wild thing. I don't need your breakdown on that. We, we spent enough time talking about that. All right. I'm going to get it anyway. Gonna... Henson's going to give it to you anyway. It doesn't matter whether you want no, it. That, that, that is, I mean, so, the, so he ruins a pair of underwear every game. He can't rewash <laughs> those. It's over. They've got to go to the trash. NIL. <laughs> NIL. Yeah, I guess he's got a good NIL deal in Henson. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the Big East title race because I think it's a really fascinating race um, to get into. As we sit here, uh today on december 30th um uconn according to uh our, our partners over at bet ngm uconn is still the favorite at plus 150 marquette is uh second at plus 250 
Creighton is plus 425, as is Villanova. And Providence is just sitting there quietly at plus 1,500 to win the Big East regular season title, despite the fact that they are tied for first place as of today is one of only two teams that are sitting at 2-0 in league play. Creighton, for what it's worth, uh, joins DePaul and Georgetown as the only winless teams left in Big East play. Um, Henson, I think it's uh, the peak of insanity right now. If you want to take UConn with all of the injuries that they are dealing with and put any money on them to win the Big East title at plus 150 as the uh, the overwhelming favorite, I think that's nuts. Yeah, give me Providence. Um, if we're talking, you know, just from a perspective, I mean, why not? The way everything looks right now. Uh, teams are losing that aren't supposed to lose. The top team that we consider on paper is has an injury, you know, injury problems. Let's just go for the for the for the best odds and the best team with the best profit. Um, and I, I wouldn't be. They're tough at home. They've already stolen a couple of wins, so uh, why not? I kind of agree with them there. Like those odds, I'll roll the dice with that. I mean, again, do I think they're going to win? No, but at fifteen plus fifteen hundred or whatever it is, um, I'll roll the dice with that. You know, to me, again, I go back to what you said earlier, Rob. All right. UConn, even if Klingon's out, okay, even if Klingon's out, they've got Newton, Spencer, and Caravan. They've got three dudes that you could pretty much rely on. Marquette really has two at this point. Perimeter guys, more, you know, again, I mean, obviously Oso's a guy who can be dominant on certain nights. But in terms of guys that can make shots, make plays, UConn's still got three of them. Now, Klingon takes them to a completely different level. Uh, but I still think UConn, with their DNA, DNA and the fact that they won it all uh, with Newton and, and Caravan playing major minutes last year, yeah, I, I think you got to give them the edge. But like Hanson said, I, Providence at those odds, I kind of like it. Yeah, the one thing I will say about UConn with those odds, uh, the games that they are probably going to be without Klingon are going to be DePaul at home, at Butler, at Xavier, it's not Georgetown that. at home. But but it's not that. It's it's the the nagging potential nagging that it happens. Oh no, again. for sure. Yeah, for right? sure, one hundred percent. And yeah, without him, it's not the thing about it. Yeah, the thing about it without him is that they, the, the what they are defensively is just nowhere near the same. Samson Johnson's a really good player. Samson Johnson is not the great wall of Bristol. He's not going to be able for to fifteen minutes. <laughs> he's yes. a great player for twelve or fifteen minutes. But if you have to play him thirty plus minutes, he's not a great player. And the other he issue is that when you Go ahead. Go ahead, John. He looked when he when Klingon was out and they had to kind of rely on him and they were giving him the ball. And I mean, he was bobbling the ball. He was losing. He wasn't catching the lobs. He usually catches. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like Armando last year where he's that lingering injury just nagged him and nagged him and, and call it what you want. Yeah, they got to the championship, but he was not 100 percent at all. No. Yeah, he would say. Um, so, yeah, he would say yeah. that he didn't do what he needed to do in the offseason last year and it caught up with him cling and probably did what he needed to do but he was just hurt with the foot injury in the preseason the other foot early in the season now you got another foot injury i mean just for a dude that big it adds up the issue is going to be getting back into shape when you're that big like he's going to be basically sitting out for three to four weeks and here's the other thing like you say he does what he's supposed to do well it's kind of like an open thing on campus that people are just like donovan stop walking around like go get a ride people will drive you somewhere. that's what i've said 
Watch him he on the bench be during allowed. the game. He's up there jumping around doing jumping jacks. Like, dude, your foot's He should not up. be allowed yeah. to be like golf cart everywhere he goes from literally pull that golf cart around outside <laughs> of, of the classroom. I don't care how you got to get it in there. What he needs is a seatbelt on every chair on that bench, and you just got to seatbelt him into the bench when he's over there. He can he can buy a golf cart with with what's going on today. You, you heard what Nick <laughs> you heard what Nick Saban said today. Nick Saban said this is not this is not this is semi pro. This is semi pro yeah. at this at this point. This he's is what right. college sports becoming. It's becoming semi pro. So he can go buy him a golf cart. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I will just say. Uh. I feel like. At this point, we are we are kind of undervaluing what Villanova can be this year because it just it's it's so interesting to me the way that their season has broken down. Right, like they had this unbelievable run in the Bahamas and they look really good in a, in, in a win at Creighton and they smack Maryland and they smack Memphis and as long as they're not playing a Big Five school, then they look like a team that should be very much in the conversation as the best team in the Big East. And then they just play these big five schools and it's kind of, you know, it gets ugly. So I'm just, I'm curious what you guys think about this Villanova team and where they are headed this year. Why don't you go first, Hanson? Um, Yeah, they, they play down to the level of competition, which is like a red flag uh, in essence, in the sense of college basketball, because every night matters. You're going to have to be locked in. When you go to Georgetown or you go to a DePaul, Right, like I would say, if you know, from a betting perspective, if the Paul or some of these lower rung teams are catching over five points, I figure I think you should take them because it seems like they just don't get up for them, and then you know they'll play the the big dogs and and, and compete with that at the highest level. So they could easily end up being middle of the pack in the Big East the way they've been playing and how inconsistent they've been. Listen, I, I picked them to go to the Final Four in the preseason. I'm completely out on them. Uh, because their point guard play point is guard not play. good enough. It's not good enough. It's not. I know you You know what I'm going to say, but it's true. Like, you, you better have better point guard play than that. And they've had it now for two years where it hasn't been good enough. And, uh, you know, spend all that money in the portal uh, for NIL, and you don't get a point. Justin Moore is not a point guard. He's not. And he's hurt right now. Mark Armstrong's a great backup. Um, but he's not a – so I thought he could be good enough if you had four dudes around him. But I'm not sure they have four dudes around him. Like, Dixon's a dude, right? Dixon's their best player. Well, you said that before the season, Rob, and that, that's mm -hmm. true. Like, Tyler Burton's a, a very nice piece. Hakeem Hart's a nice piece. TJ Bomba's a nice piece. Um, those guys just – they're not dudes. And, and I think if you don't have a good enough point guard, you better have, like, three or four dudes. They don't have that. Which is weird because we I thought a, that they were. Can we get a graphic that says they're not dudes? Can we have, can we have to like pop up every time? Like somebody, I like that. They're not dudes. <laughs> they're not dudes. I like that. T-shirt or something. Gonzaga. Like I said it. I tweeted it last night. Gonzaga hasn't, they don't have a dude. For the first time in years, they don't have a dude. <laughs> right. Just, they're not dudes. Jeff Goodman. They're not how, dudes. How many there it is. There it is. Can we please try to screenshot this? They're not dudes. Yes. I love that. They're I love not that. dudes. Oh man. All right. Listen, um, that's enough Big East chatter. I could sit here and talk about the Big East for three hours. So I will uh I will spare you guys that lengthy conversation. Um, we do need to talk about Michigan State, and I think we need to talk a little bit about Michigan. Just the state of Michigan basketball overall is a very interesting conversation to have uh at this point in time, and we will do that as soon as we hear from our sponsors.
As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts so download the bet mgm app today we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Yes, Jeff, we are back on the air. Wake up. I saw you looking down at your phone. Get locked in, man. Come on. We got to lock in. We got Saturday night. We got You got right. 30 more minutes of the show where right. you got to pay attention. And then you got beer. New Year's Eve off. You got New Year's Day off. You got nothing to do. You can go drink until 1 in the morning tomorrow night. You can hang out. You can watch football all day on New Year's Day. Just lo- Little Alligash Beach Report. Yeah, Allagash Beach Report. It's like a new, I don't know, I'd never seen this. It's good. It's good. I just want to know why you're drinking in. a main beer when you're all the way down there in Charleston, man. Come on, drink, drink a no, little I, bit local. I, I do. It's uh, Westbrook. Westbrook White Tie or something. Really good. Really good. We're going to go brewery <laughs> when it gets a little bit warmer. 
Well, this is called, uh, mine is from Bolero Snort Brewery, and it's called Flight of the Moonicorn. How about that? My daughter picked that one out because it has uh, unicorns on it. So, um, all right, let's talk about Michigan State. Let's talk about Michigan. I want to get to Michigan State first because, Goodman, the people didn't hear this. Uh, You said this before we went live, but the direct quote was, Michigan State is back. Are they back? They've won won four in a row, And, and, and it started with a blowout against Baylor. And then today they beat an Indiana State team that, uh, you know, is one of the best mid-majors. I know we're going to get to mids here in a little while um, that could be dangerous in the tournament. And they're, they're really dangerous. I mean, you're talking about a team that, again, has a, a stud down low who, who they held, you know, Robbie uh, Avila to five points tonight. But I, I think the biggest thing for Michigan State, and Izzo said it early, I remember talking to him after the, the Champions Classic, and he was like, I'm not worried about the shooting. The shooting is going to be okay. And they haven't lit the world on fire shooting the ball from deep, but they've been much better than they were the first few nights. To me, it was all about, like, A.J. Hogarth. <laughs> it wasn't Xavier. hard to get better than two for 41 right. or whatever. Well, you had to. I mean, right, couldn't be worse. But, like, to me, it was Hogarth and Aikens. And those two guys have been pretty good. Listen, they're not going to get much out of their five-man spot offensively they're not Suzuka was great on the glass today that's all he's got to do just finish down there get some offensive putbacks and and dominate in the glass he did that tonight Hogard has been the difference because he's the guy that you never know what you're going to get right like Izzo's been super frustrated by him over the years and over the last three or four games he's been really good like efficient that's what he's got to be take care of the ball don't be bad like you were against Duke like you were against Arizona and just be stable. And, and Jay Nakins has been better as Hogard's been stable and reliable. I think it allows Jay Nakins to be more effective. And that's what he's been over basically, other than the Baylor game, the last few games, he's been terrific. So uh, you know what you're going to get out of Tyson Walker. Malik Hall's a veteran. Again, the five-man spot is what it is. You're, you're not going to be able to, to, to do anything about it now offensively. So to me, it's Hogard and, and Aikens and obviously – I think, you know, again, just seeing the, the players and seeing the fans see watch Jeremy Fears come out there before the game on crutches after he was shot um, a, a week or so ago and had surgery, I think that had to be something that fired up the players. Yeah. Go ahead, Henson. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot on the plate of Walker, Holgard, and Hall. I mean, we'll throw eight. It's just a lot on their plate. If you look at kind of their bench scoring and what everybody else does, if they're not – functioning at a high high level that's why i think they're having a disappointing season but they are picking it up specifically hogard i think Izzo may have said hey look man this is your last year i'm gonna let you rock out he kind of took the leash off and said hey do what you do and it's showing that he's maybe has a little bit more freedom than he had and um you know that backcourt can be one of the best backcourts in the big 10 on any given night so they're trending in the right direction. Still got a lot of work to do from a seeding perspective and a tournament perspective. But uh, I like what they see. And, yeah, the the, the whooping of Baylor, I think, jump-started kind of the conference team. Yeah, and look, you said that they could be one of the best backcourts in the Big Ten. It's not just the Big Ten, man. Like, that could be one of the best backcourts in college basketball, period. Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogart, and Jaden Akins should be in the same conversation that we are having when we talk about Tyler Kolek and Cam Jones, right? They should be right there. 
They are just as good. They have just as much talent. They have just as much firepower. And there's three of them. You can play all three of them together. You can play two of them at once. Um, I think Tyson Walker, when he gets going, is as dangerous as anybody when it comes to being an isolation scorer in college basketball. And I think the value of having A.J. Hogarth next to him is you got a guy that can be more of a uh, a creative outlet instead of just a guy that's going out there to get buckets. So um, I think we all kind of assumed that they were never going to get anything from the five spot this year, anything great. But seeing their guards uh, play the way that their guards are supposed to play um, makes a lot of sense and and is something where it allows you to buy into them a little bit more. Uh, they got Penn State coming up at home. Then they have Northwestern on the road. So they should be able to get back to uh, two and two here um, in the Big Ten before they get kind of into uh, uh, Illinois on the road and playing the Illini. So um, – I'm 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 back in on them. I'm back in on Michigan State. I'm back in on Tom Izzo. I don't know why I ever got off the Tom Izzo bandwagon. Like it, it was very silly for me to be able to do that. As as you can see there, uh great coaching advice. This is why they pay Jeff Goodman the, the big bucks. Shoot better than two for forty one from three, and you win a lot of basketball games, right, Jeff? Yeah. You win more games than you did. <laughs> you won't lose to James Madison if you uh yeah, if you that's shoot true. That uh they didn't and look you know what indiana state according to the metrics is actually better than james madison right now and that's a perfect segue uh to talk about the sycamores um the one interesting thing here jeff was this was the first time that these two programs played since the 1979 national championship game when it was magic johnson against larry bird uh we didn't have magic against larry bird but we had tyson walker against the big fella robbie avila <laughs> With the goggles, with the Rex specs. He didn't play all that well today, man, but I, I, I will tell you this. Um, I think when you watch Indiana State play, it's very easy to understand why they had won 10 straight games heading into this. That is a good basketball team, point play, period. Yeah, they got a lot of interchangeable parts, Henson, you know, around yeah. Avila, and that's kind of the thing, right? You got a lot of dudes that can put on the deck around a big that can really uh, pass it. Uh, he's unorthodox. He's not the most athletic. I think, honestly, my vertical would be higher than Robbie Avalos right now. Right now. <laughs> Look, you know what? That's the first time I'm going to agree with any of the athletic stuff that you say. Because I think you're actually right on that one. <laughs> they got the weird, like, unorthodox type big guy and the way they play. Like, that's a team, like, you like watch, you like see in a tournament and be like, why are they up 10 against, you know, a four seed or something like that? So they're a fun team to watch, man, and they're good. 11 and 2 and anywhere in the country is good. So, I mean, they the score isn't really indicative. I mean, they were on, excuse my language, they was on Michigan State's ass the whole game. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> it was a good game. Yep. Yeah. They, they're built kind of like the, it was another Missouri Valley team, the Loyola Chicago team that played Cameron Crutwig at the five, right? Where they had a bunch of really good guards. Uh, some athletic players that could guard um, guys like Isaiah Swope, guys like Ryan Conwell that can go out and get a bucket on their own with a five man that you can kind of play away from the basket and he can dime you up a little bit. So um, I like where they're at. So I want to ask you this, Jeff. Uh, we'll talk about Michigan here in a second, but Michigan just lost to McNeese State, who's now 11-2 behind Shahada Wells. 30 points, 10 boards, 6 assists, 5 steals. I'm going to give you guys a factoid really quick. The last two players in Division One basketball that put up at least 30 points, at least 10 boards, at least six assists, and at least five steals in a Division One game against a Division One opponent, Ben Simmons in 2015 
Alfred Payton in 2014. That's how impressive what Shahada Wells did. Uh, McNeese State and Indiana State are two of the best mid-majors in the country, Goodman. Can they win a game? And who else are you putting in that same conversation in terms of the the uh, the lower conference teams that are going to be a real thorn in the side of some big uh, big teams when it comes to tournament time? You know, I feel like you always got to watch out for for a SoCon team. Like that's one that's one league that always, uh, and it's not as good probably as it was a couple of years ago overall the depth of the league. But you know, to me. I'm going to see Western Carolina uh, coming up this week against Citadel when they come here to Charleston. And I can't wait to see, you know, we, we met them, um, you know, at the, the SoCon media day prior to the season, Vontarius Wilbright, like has putting up some crazy numbers, right? Yeah. And, and to me, like, he's a guy who can carry him, you know, averaging, I don't know. I think he's, he's averaging 20 and, and a bunch of assists and he rebounds his position you know, he, he's electric. So that's one team I would watch out for. Um, you know, I always feel he's at, like – For the record, he's averaging 21 right. points, 12 boards, and five assists, which is just like fucking ridiculous wow. numbers. That's crazy. 21, 12, and five assists. Right. I can't wait to see him this week. Against a Citadel team that just beat Notre Dame, uh, who obviously got a pretty good win today against uh, Virginia. So, you know, I, I'm not going to take Henson's team here. Uh, but I will say again, a, a SoCon team like a Western Carolina would, would scare the hell out of me in the NCAA tournament because you need a dude, Henson. If you hadn't heard, you need a dude, and Western Carolina has a dude. You need a dude. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm on the Grand Canyon bandwagon. I've been on it for a while. Um, they beat San Diego State, who just beat Gonzaga. So. That should give you some perspective of how good they could be or are. Um, they've got five power conference transfers. They're top 70 on Ken Palm above, like, you know, the Mizzou's, Georgia, Ole Miss, even Syracuse at, at, at the time. I don't know about now. So um, that's my team that I could see making some noise. And just I love the home court advantage. I love the energy around the program. Um, you know, one of the teams that I just look at and like, man, I want to go to a game and just, just see the environment, man. They're camping out. They're partying. I mean, let, let's let's get them to the tournament, or let's let's get a game there so we can kind of see the vibes. Hey, Henson, here's what we got to do, man. What we're going to do is we're going to get a field of 68 broadcast from Grand Canyon. We're going to bring yes. you out, and all we're going to do is you're going to be our student section correspondent, where we're just going to send you out with the students, and you're going to be there. You're going to be Listen. partying. You're going to be vibing. You're going to be in the student section just going nuts with we'll, them. We'll do we're going to have a camera with you. We'll, we'll do something like maybe like take a shot, Every you know whatever <laughs> something man we'll figure long, it out man it's how long could you make time. it how many shots Listen, could you man, do without uh, falling over in the crowd how many you know um, you know my my I don't look it but uh, my, my mom's side I got some Irish and English in me so uh, I, I, I could I could go I could go maybe like every every three every three pointer made right how many how many three points is grand canyon average i mean if, if it's under 10 oh, wow. we're good to go i just need you're after good. the game you're gonna probably have to just check on me that's it i thought henson was gonna <laughs> yeah, share some water thought... bottles too right you're gonna have to have the gatorade right. cool of the water right there next to you so you're ripping shots you yeah. also drink a glass of water man one on one every grand canyon three I... we take a shot i mean if they hit three in a row we're in trouble but whatever we'll be all right <laughs> i thought henson was gonna say you know i don't look at I don't look it because I only weigh, you know, a buck ninety five, but I can you know, I didn't expect the uh, yeah. uh, uh my uh, my know, mom other... is uh my, my grandma is white, my mom is half white and she's Irish, so 
I got a little bit of Irish in me. So let's just say that <laughs> the, liver, the liver can hold. Oh, seven. We can knock seven, seven three, three, game. I don't know if you guys can hear that. That was producer Trevor right there. And I will say this. We got to, we got to throw this in there, Henson. You know what Grand Canyon has? They got a dude. His name is Tyon Grant Foster. Certified dude. They got a dude. He's, yep. They have got right. a dude. Okay. Well, they got he's a also, dude. Also, hey, he's also the best story maybe in college basketball this year. Uh, started his career at Kansas, went to junior college, um, then uh, went to DePaul two years ago. First game at halftime is walking off the court after he made a three. And he passes out and basically flatlines. And they have to um, basically bring him back. And for the last two years, he's been trying to get cleared uh, by the doctors. Can't do anything. Can't work out. Can't do anything. Just waiting for the doctors. Finally, they clear him this past summer. Puts his name in the portal the next day. Goes to Grand Canyon. And right now, he's top 10 in the country in scoring. Ty and Grant Foster. Unbelievable story. Love that. Uh, yeah, a couple other names that I just want to put in this uh, this this Bestman Majors conversation. Obviously, have to have James Madison in there. I feel like that one is a given. They've been uh, they're still undefeated. One of three undefeated teams left in college basketball. Appalachian State picked up a win over Auburn earlier this year. Dustin Kearns has got a really good program over there. Uh, we're talking about teams with dudes. Southern Illinois, the real Xavier Johnson is averaging 25, 6, and 6 this year. Uh, and uh, he's he's had an incredible season. And Goodman, we know how much you love guard play. Um, last two that I have written down, UNC Wilmington. Uh, they did not uh, they did not win at Arkansas tonight, but they went into Rupp and they picked off Kentucky in Rupp. Uh, Takeo Siddle has uh, has got that program rolling, and of course Princeton. Man, we got to throw Princeton in there. Princeton's been really really good so good far one. this season. So good one. if there's anybody that we forgot on that list of mid majors that are a real threat to make a run, please let us know. Now, speaking of McNeese State. Uh, let's have the the Michigan conversation. We talked about it a little bit last night, but uh, I think that 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 win going into Ann Arbor and picking up that victory, they won eighty seven to seventy six, is a fascinating coaching dichotomy in the sense that Will Wade is a guy that had all of these NCAA legal issues, uh, comes back and now looks like he's going to be he might end up being one and done in Big East State. If it's not one and done, he's probably two and done and going to get another high major job. Whereas Jawan Howard has a team that looks like they don't want to be out on the court anymore. Uh the level of effort there was uh minimal to say the least. Goodman, what do you what are you hearing about Will Wade? What are you hearing about Jawan Howard? Is this going to be kind of a passing of the guard? Should Will Wade have just stayed in the armor of taking over this uh this Michigan program? What do you mean? No, no, no. Will Wade's not going to get Michigan. Uh, I think Will Wade has a better shot of getting a DePaul or something like that. Michigan's not West hiring. Virginia, Will. baby. West Virginia could be in play. Who knows? Um, I, I would say this about Juwan Howard. You know, you know where I stand, and I don't know if Henson does, with former NBA players uh, in college, former NBA players and coaches. Most of them suck. They suck because, honestly, they don't know how to work at the same level that, that the college guys who have done it their whole lives have. Listen, when you have $100 million in your bank, um, unless your name is John Henson, um, you know, you, you don't have to grind it quite as much. You just don't. So uh, a lot of these guys, whether it's Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing, go back to Clyde Drexler. Um, now it's changed a little bit now, guys, because of NIL, okay? So now you can still hit the golf course in April and May. And as long as you're on those Zooms, with the guys who went in the portal and you got NIL to give, you're going to be in the mix and you might get some dudes.
but I still think it's going to catch up with, and it has caught up with a lot of them, including Juwan, right? Juwan's had a lot of off-the-court issues as well, documented, obviously had an altercation, mostly verbal, uh, with the strength coach, John Sanderson, earlier this year. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing was done uh, to either side about it, uh, but he's had other issues, you know, with Joe Krabenhoff, the Wisconsin assistant who he slapped. Um, getting into it with Mark Turgeon a little bit verbally years ago, the Maryland, then Maryland head coach. But ultimately it comes down to this. Juwan took over a program that ultimately had great culture. John Beeline left some good players and some great culture behind. They were terrific when Beeline left for the NBA. Uh, Juwan did a great job early with those players, with that culture. Uh, but over the last couple of years, it's slipped. It's fallen. Uh, last year, they had Hunter Dickinson, an All-American type big, and two first-rounders, and they didn't go to the tournament. This year, they're going to be worse. They're not going to the tournament, most likely. Um, you know, they're really struggling at this point. They don't have the same level of talent. And, and obviously, Juwan, you know, it's good to see him back on the court coaching full-time after the heart uh, procedure. But ultimately, I, I just don't think he's long for this job in Ann Arbor. Now, I don't, I don't know if that means – after this year, or maybe one more year, he goes in next year on the hot seat, the dreaded hot seat, and he's got a lot of pressure on him, and he better get some NIL and get some dudes out of the portal uh, in order to keep his job. Hanson? Um, you know, I liken it. It's funny you run a beeline. He was my coach, right? And I saw him come in, and um, he had the college mindset, micromanage everything, what is everyone doing? Concerned about how Jordan Clark is making $100 million off the bench, one of the best scorers, a professional scorer, how he's doing his layups. John, what are you What are you doing? What are you eating today? Like, you know, and that is works in college because these are young men. These are young men trying to become grown men and, and be citizens and productive in society. In the NBA, it's a little different, right? Everyone's got family, kids uh, that make more than you, which is another thing, right? So, you know, I think Coach Howard gets to Michigan and, you know, he is the GM. He is the president. He's the head of basketball ops. He has to make sure to go to class. He has to also make sure to do right. Like, it's it's a lot. Um, and I credit, you know, with even when I was at school with Coach Williams, him having a circle that he trusted around him that had been around him since before the end. And, and I think made some connect and the, you know, even with the weight coach, like coach Williams adores the weight coach of North Carolina. Like it, we would rather, we would rather get into it anyone else than the weight coach, right? Because that's a place where you need to be held accountable. So it's, it's an interesting paradox that's going on in Michigan. He, it looks like he's kind of lost the kids, unfortunately. And, and Jeff is right, man. When you've got, you know, first guy to ever make $100 million in the NBA, $100 million contract, um, it's a little easier, you know, to kind of sit back and, and relax a little bit. And uh, I think we're seeing that right now with the, the culture kind of going down in Michigan. The, the one thing I do want to ask you guys is um, you talk about uh, guys with $100 million in their bank accounts, and then you mentioned John Henson. Is that – did I – is that true, Henson? What do we think? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd probably be on a PJ to Bora Bora right now for New Year's. Yeah, not going to say, uh, my favorite Italian spot at nine thirty. 
Yeah, can I can I uh, can I hit a ride with you there, man? Come on, let's make this happen. Yeah, um, I'm about to say, look. So the, let me. I, I think you guys are spot on about Jawan Howard and uh, Henson. At some point, I'm going to have to to get your breakdown of all of the uh, the weird um, the weird uh, verbiage that John Belon likes to use, like Ricky rescreening and and all of this kind of stuff. He's a uh, fox he was panda. This is the bear. <laughs> Kurt, this is the this is the giraffe. We're like, coach, <laughs> we could all be gone tomorrow, and then you could have a whole new set of players. You better call it a down screen or a curl <laughs> or an up screen or a double pick. Like, why are we calling it a polar bear, right? People, literally, when we get guys that come for a trade, uh, Dante Exum, funny story. He comes in the film. He comes from, like, Quinn Snyder. You know, Quinn Snyder don't play. I mean, he's, he's for real. Mm-hmm. So he comes in. <laughs> and Coach Beeline is like, guys, we gotta do the polar bear to the fox, to the to the giraffe. And we look at him, and he's like, where did I just enter? What kind of portal did I? Do? <laughs> so that was Beeline, you know what I'm saying? Love to death, but uh, he kind of brought a little too much college to the pros, and obviously it didn't work out as you guys. I was a part of that um, unfortunate. <laughs> Uh, shit show. <laughs> That's one way to put it. All right. Speaking of shit yeah. shows, we got to talk about uh, Willie Wade Goodman. Um, does he have a real chance of being able to get a job at a high major program any point soon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, listen, you could say what you want about Will Wade, but the dude can coach and he can recruit. All right. And now recruiting is legal. So uh, Will Wade is going to find a way to get players because he always could. The one thing I'll say, listen, I've known Will Wade since he was an assistant coach at Harvard, okay? And I remember him calling me, and he met me out in Framingham, Massachusetts at, I believe it was Bennigan's for lunch. Drove out from Harvard, 45 minutes to meet me. And uh, that dude worked his ass off and still does. Like anybody, if you talk to anybody about Will Wade, they will say that first and foremost. He, he works his ass off, and, and he's a, a really good X's and O's coach, okay? And he gets his kids to play hard. Um, so, yes, I think – now, again, we got to remember, Will Wade didn't coach the first 10 games of the season. People are acting like, you know, he's 11-2 and two here. He's not. Now, he, he beat Michigan and Ann Arbor. That's a huge win. But, again, the, the assistant coaches, his staff, did a hell of a job while he was on that 10-game suspension. Uh, so that's first. But, yeah, Will Wade, listen, he'll get one. I don't know if it'll be a good one, high major, but he'll get, like, you know, to me, if DePaul opens, hell yeah, he should be at the top of that list. West Virginia, I know you mentioned, yeah, he should be under consideration. I don't know if they will they would go that route, but possibly. Um, the, the dude can coach, and he will turn – he will – he'll give DePaul the best chance to win since uh, now the late and, and rest in peace to, to Joey Meyer did it when he went to seven tournaments in eight years, um, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. I want to, I'm going to get to the ACC here in a second. I do just think that I should mention FAU is down by nine at the half right now uh, for, uh, for the people out there that are into the live betting scene, John Henson. Let's do it. I've already fired twice, man. I've already fired twice. Um, and I do just want to say, uh, speaking of, of Will Wade and McNeese State, this is where we got to talk about Vaulted Goodman. Um, Vaulted 
is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It is a place you can store your own predictions forever. And by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. Go download the Vaulted app. That's V-L-T-E-D to challenge your friends, store your predictions, and join daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. I'm saying McNeese State is dancing, Goodman. I'm saying that whether or not they win the Southland Conference Tournament, assuming that they don't go like 14-4 and in their league, this team is dancing. I think they got a very, very real chance at getting an at-large bid. They've won at VCU, they've won at UAB, and they've won at Michigan. Is that crazy, Jeff? It's bananas. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, unless they win their league tournament, they will not be dancing. They won't even go to the NIT because um, the NCAA hates mid and low majors. So they don't want to put them in the NIT. They'd rather put the 10th place team from the ACC uh, which is basically a mid-major league right now anyway in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that you're taking shots at the ACC, let's get to that. Uh, it was weird in that league today. Um, Pitt beat Syracuse. Uh, uh, or I'm sorry, Syracuse beat Pitt, a Pitt team that we thought was going to be able to have a chance to be like a top five team in that league. Notre Dame was five and seven entering today. Lost by 22 or won by 22 against a Virginia team that Goodman guaranteed would win the ACC this year. Lipscomb no, into Tallahassee said. and beats Florida State. And Wake Forest depantses Virginia Tech. They won 86 to 63. This role going on in your conference, man. Um, you know, I, I watched the Virginia game, and this is supposed to be uh, our, our best quote unquote team. Um, you know, when they got down like 9-0 in typical Virginia fashion, there was no sense of urgency. Um, and then it became 13-4 to and 18-6. to And credit to Notre Dame, they hit some tough shots, a couple buzzer beaters, stuff went the right way for them. But Virginia had every opportunity in the second half to come back. They got, cut it down, I think, 10 points. Um, and Notre Dame just took off again. Burton is really good especially when he has no pressure on him. Today, he had no pressure on him. He was splitting double teams. He was shooting a three with up 15. Um, they they looked <laughs> surprisingly good today. I mean, I think Virginia had like, in the first half, they had like eight, 14 points on Notre Dame, who's like defense is one of the worst defenses yeah. uh, with 10 minutes left. So um, I'm going to chalk this up as just a bad game. It was a noon game in South Bend. Maybe they didn't, you know, weren't ready for it. They they didn't get up for it. Who knows? But yeah, the the lack of the sense of urgency being down twenty was just kind of alarming to me from a perspective of just a basketball fan. Um, Virginia's down 15, 20 points, and they're running their you know normal offense, just running the shot clock down and getting an end of the. I, I just it was it was baffling to me, uh, frustrating really because Notre Dame was definitely going to let them come back into the game. And, uh, you, yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to say, look, if you can hop on on Virginia about 12 points, you you got a guaranteed victory. That, that's how I feel about Virginia right now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, you, you look at their losses. They were pounded by Wisconsin down in Florida mm-hmm. earlier this year. They were pounded at Memphis. And now they get pounded by a Notre Dame team that came in. like They, they were like 250 in the net. Like Notre Dame was atrocious. Again, they just came off. I just saw Citadel. I love my guys from the Citadel. Um, love those guys. Rob does too. I'm going to go out with them here in Charleston after the new year. But ultimately, they, they lost to two SOCON teams in Citadel and Western Carolina. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury had to call them out publicly for their lack of effort. And they responded. Give them credit, right? They responded. But I, I think it says way more about Virginia. And this was their worst loss to an ACC opponent since 2017 when they lost by 24 to Carolina. And this is a team that prides itself on its defense, and they got absolutely blitzed today. So their talent level, we've talked about it throughout the year, is not nearly what it has been in the past. And part of the problem with this Virginia program now is Tony Bennett has generally had an opportunity to build a program and get older. And now it's really hard to do that, right? You've got a lot of guys that he brought in a few years ago as part of a heralded class with Reese Beekman that transferred out earlier. You know, they didn't stick around. So I, I think that's part of the problem, whether it's NIL or, you know, they want to go other places for bigger roles. They're not willing to wait like they were years ago in Charlottesville um, to develop. Whatever it is, you know, life has changed in, in Charlottesville, and I just don't know if Tony Bennett's going to be able to change with it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. It feels like I said in the preseason, I'd be very interested to see if Tony Bennett has lost his fastball. And I don't know if it's necessarily that as much as it is the way that he can run his program effectively and the way that he knows how to do it is just not something I think is going to work in 2024. Now, if you are going to tell me that he's going to find the guys that will be willing to redshirt, will be willing to play two minutes as freshmen, four minutes as sophomores, uh, come out here as juniors and play 15 minutes and then end up being all ACC um, draft picks as seniors, then yeah, okay, I'm back in on on Virginia. I just don't know if those guys exist. Like I don't know how many players are going to be willing to sit around and do nothing for um, for. Well, look at even Caden Shedrick. Rob, yeah. Rob, look at even Caden Shedrick, right? Like, you know, he, he didn't wait around another year because ultimately he wanted a bigger offensive role. So he went to Texas instead of sticking around mm-hmm. for one more year. You never, ever would have thought that were possible from a Tony Bennett program before. Yeah. yeah he, it's, he, it, 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 go ahead, John. It's, it, it's tough because you look at the pros, you know, you got Malcolm Brogdon, who's actually one of my really good friends. I mean, we could say – the Tony Bennett system kind of shielded him from how good he was. I mean, when I, when I first got to play with him in practice, I was like, Oh, Whoa, like you could do all this, right? Even, you know, Deandre Hunter who got paid with the Hawks, you know, we didn't know what he was. We know what he could be, could be. And he, I think he turned out to be a lot better maybe than we thought as well. So, you know, kids are looking at the pros kids are looking at, you know, if, if I'm playing a game in the fifties, um, 
how much how 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 many points am I putting up? Am, am I putting up the right amount of stats? Because it's a very slim margin when you're playing in the fifties, right? Because now Virginia's kind of struggling. Reese Beekman's averaging what twelve or thirteen on a team that plays with a little more pace. Really, a seventeen, eighteen point a night guy. So now that looks really bad. So um, he's gonna have to figure it out. Try to you know. I, I think we're. I, I know he's not gonna change. He won the championship, but. He, he's the, the pin down. He didn't have any good that can get past anybody one on one. He doesn't have any kind of impactful rollers like a Shedrick kind of was that could put pressure on the rim. Um, it's going to be tough sled for them coming down the stretch in the ACC. Uh, then again, well, that, I mean, that, that's the thing, point. John. They went from, might be all right. Yeah, he won when he won the title, right? Like, what are they known for? They're, they're known for running the blocker mover, which for people that are, are listening yeah. is basically like you have one guy that has the ball and you got another dude running off of a pin down on either side of him, right? And you, he, mm-hmm. the, the guy that runs off the pin down and gets the ball, then you get set flare screen. It's basically like you have two screeners, two guys running off of picks and one guy with the ball, and you just kind of like roll th- rotate through them all, right? And that's what he's famous for, which is like a very old school offense to run. When they won the title, they didn't really run all that much blocker mover. They were running like a ball screen continuity where they put the ball in Ty Jerome's hands and said, all right, Cook, go make a play. And I feel like they've kind of gone away from that. And part of the reason they've gone away from that is because they lost a guy that was an NBA player as a point guard that was a veteran, right? And I don't know and if you're going to be able to get that. And Kyle Guy. Yeah. yeah Kyle Guy and they had J. Andre Hunter. And like Anthony Gill was yes. on the – they had some really, really good players up and down. Braxton Key played in the NBA. He was the five-man on that team. Uh, or played some minutes at the five. He was a four-man. Uh, but I just – I don't know if you're going to be able to stockpile – the amount of NBA talent that he had on those teams that won the title and be able to play a style offensively that could allow you to win uh, when you are going to be rotating through guys every two or three years. Um, All right, real quick before we get out of here, I do just want to ask you guys big picture on the ACC. Um, Last night we had Tyler Hansborough and and Terrence Oglesby kind of argue between North Carolina and Clemson winning. Uh, who is the best team in that? Hey, league? we also we, we also need to find out what John Henson thinks of sandwiches before we get uh, done with this. Oh yeah, Tyler Tyler told us he said I think sandwiches suck. Where do you stand on sandwiches? That's blasphemy. You know, that's you know I love T Hands. This is my guy. We got the same financial guy. I mean that's that's my guy. Um, that's a that's a statement of privilege right there. Sandwiches are trash. <laughs> like like. When I was coming up, it was like, shut up, shut up, only in the fridge, right? And my parents brainwashed me to thinking that sandwiches were good. Like, I enjoy sandwiches. You know, so so like for him to say that, I mean, did you have your lunch packed every day? Like, you know, were you getting meals cooked? You know, like, you know, what was going on? Because I love sandwiches. They're easy. They're convenient. I mean, you know, we'll we'll have to chat about the sandwich debate one day. I feel like maybe <laughs> Tyler just went into the woods and and caught his own dinner or something, and never had to actually make a sandwich. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, in Poplar Bluff, what is there in Poplar Bluff? We need to find out. That's a good question. We should listen. Let me Google Poplar Bluff hunting. Maybe they have like a big hunting thing going out there. This, <laughs> yeah, like you know, sandwiches. Especially as an athlete, like sandwiches are like a staple of of AAU days. I mean, what was he eating? So we've got the Mark Twain. Oh no, what we got over here, man. Poplar Bluff Conservation Area. I don't see much. <laughs> no hunting. Don't see much. No hunting. Don't see, don't see much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Never mind. Now. What? Yeah. How did we get here? <laughs> 
That's what Rob's thinking right That's, now. How the hell did we get I clicked, here? I clicked on the only link. It says it says knives for big and small game. That's the link that I found. So, <laughs> oh, and that was owned by the Hansborough family. There you go. That makes sense. All right. Right. <laughs> okay. Where to hunt? Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm, a, I'm a big sandwich guy. Um, you know, now that I'm older, probably shouldn't be as much of a sandwich guy, but that's just how, like I said, my parents brainwashed me mean? thinking it was you, a good you thing. You still weigh like a buck 90. You can eat as many damn sandwiches as you yeah. want. Hey, man, look, you need to I eat a just, couple of PBJs now. I just hit 240, fellas. Listen, man, if I lift no, up the shirt, like, it's, it's, I, I just, I'm about hey. 240 right now. You know, like, hey, hey, nobody Henson wears 240 it, better than Henson. Nobody wears it better. All right, maybe 235. Henson, Henson, you want to hear something fucked up? You're you you weigh you still weigh less than I do right now. <laughs> Listen, man. Yeah, I, I, hey, I take, hey, I take long walks in the park. Wait, wait. Before we go, before we before we move on to the ACC, Doster, yeah. you've eaten plenty of sandwich in your in your life. We know that. All you got to do is look at your your belly to see that. Um, what's your favorite sandwich? If, if one go to sandwich, what is it? I've never told you this. I had a sandwich named after me in my hometown. No, no. Yeah, they, there was a there was a deli. I can't remember the name of it because it was one of those ones where like you just drive up and there's no sign, but it's just the deli, right? <laughs> and it was right by it was right by Quinnipiac, and um, and I would go in and they just called it the Rob Special. And you walk in there and it's a chicken cutlet where you get the uh, the cheddar cheese melted on top of it, right? Then you get a layer of mayo on the bottom of it, then the shredded lettuce on there. Then you get the tomatoes on there. Then you get the chicken color that has the cheddar cheese melted on it. Then you get the bacon on top of that, right? Then you get the barbecue sauce sprayed, sprayed on top of all that. And then here's the key. You got to get the hot, you know, the spicy banana peppers, the ones that are like neon love, yellow. Love. You got to get a layer of those spicy banana peppers right on top of there. And then you put the top of the sub on and boom, you wrap that up. You get yourself a nice little foot long. You get yourself one of the 32-inch peach snapple iced teas and you are good to go that right there is the lunch by the of way champions. if you want Trevor to, is if you want to be today. six three and way more than john henson get that for lunch every single day and you're good to go you're locked in that's my favorite. also henson. also side side note just side note of the sandwiches uh apparently turkey hunting is pretty popular there. make sure to ask him about uh in popular bluff <laughs> what's your sandwich sandwich uh go to henson I'm normal. I'm a ba man. Listen, man. I, I go. I go ham and cheese, lettuce, tomato, cucumbers. Put some Dijon mustard on, on and the heavy, heavy, heavy cheese, heavy, heavy ham, and I call it a day. I'm I'm, I'm a simple guy. I go Italian. I go Italian. Everything on it except onions. My wife swore me out from eating onions years ago, so I, I, I got can't do that. <laughs> extra extra hot oil and mayonnaise. Everything else on it. Um, yeah, D'Angelo's is is a spot around me. Yeah. Okay. All right. So ACC, now, that the, ACC. now that we finished yeah. the sandwich conversation, I have no idea where to go from here. But uh, Henson, who's winning the ACC this year? North Carolina, Duke, Clemson. Who you got? I'm even more emboldened in my my North Carolina stance now. Now that I've seen what the rest of the league is kind of shaping up to be, I mean, North Carolina just be the top ten team. I mean, call it what you want. Oklahoma's undefeated. They kind of ran through some 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 decent teams. Um, obviously, we got Clemson um, right there with them, and we're going to find out within the next ten days. So everybody, just relax. We're going to find out within the next ten days what it's what, what it's going to shape out to be. Um, you know, we're going to find out pretty quickly. Clemson's got Miami. North Carolina's got some games coming up as well. 
Um, I think by the time we talk next time, it'll be a clearer picture of what the ACC is going to uh, be down the road. Goodman, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait. I think I'm going to go to the game uh, in a couple of weeks, North Carolina Clemson. And uh, that could be a battle for, honestly, who, who ends up winning the league. I like this Clemson team a lot. I think P.J. Hall is as good a player as there is in the league. Joe Girard's been an incredible addition. Um, and if Chase Hunter really gets going, I think then you're going to see Clemson, um, you know, be a team that can sustain this. But I'm kind of with Henson here. I just – I think Carolina's got too much overall. And, you know, they're a team that, that's older. They're starting to gel. They gel quickly for a team with a bunch of newcomers like they did. And, R.J. Davis has played like an All-American, and Baycott's going to get better. He, he Listen, this isn't going to be the, the Mondo that we see all year. He's going to – you watch. He'll peak at the right time. Um, I, The way that I know that you didn't watch the show last night, Goodman, is that uh, Hansborough and Oglesby made a bet that the, whoever loses that game has got to take a ping-pong ball to the back. <laughs> to the back? You got to take it to the stomach, not the back. You is that what it is? It to the stomach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna. Back yeah, I, I'm gonna make the argument that Duke is uh, is gonna be the team that ends up finding a way to win this. And the reason I say that is they just got Tyrese Proctor back today, and in Tyrese Proctor's absence, Jared McCain figured it out. Uh, in the last four games, he is averaging 19.3 points per game. He's making his threes. He's getting to the bucket. He has uh, found the scoring touch. He has found the confidence. And I don't expect that to go away just because Tyrese Proctor's back in the lineup. And um, the, my biggest question now, and, and Henson might be the best one to answer this question, is is just kind of like, how do you deal with this as a coach, man? Like you got your John Shire. And you got Tyrese Proctor, who was projected to be a lottery pick coming into the season. You got Jeremy Roach, who is your senior, your captain, your leader, uh, a guy that's putting up, frankly, All-American kind of numbers this year. And now your freshman is playing the best basketball that he's played all season long, averaging 19 points over the last four games. How do you manage uh, egos? How do you manage rotations? How do you manage all of this uh, now that you have your uh, your projected lottery pick coming back? Well, you say, hey, Tyrese, um, we're going to bring you back slow. You know, we're going to make sure you're healthy, you know, play you some minutes and get you back right. And, and you see and you, and that gives you a couple more games. And if this thing keeps going on, you say, hey, look, man, we're rolling right now. He's probably going to come off the bench for the first couple of ACC games. I don't think the that freshman duo will just step up to the point where he's going to be sitting down for a while. But – you got to think of it like this. If Shire has to say, hey, Tyrese, come off the bench, that means Duke is rolling, right? So what's he mm-hmm. going to say? So I think Shire's going to, you know, do the old NBA trick. Hey, look, man, just, you know, you're, you're on, you know, injury, just coming back, take your time, we'll work you in. And as soon as stuff gets real, throw him back in the starting lineup and go from there. Goodman? Yeah, I mean, I, I I hope he's going to make him earn it. And, and you know, he did a little bit today. Proctor wasn't great, but he didn't play a ton, and it was a complete blowout, and McCain was great again. Um, I, I just wouldn't want to screw up the the mojo that they have going on there right now. That That's the, my biggest concern. Like Hanson says, kind of ease him back in, right? Like ease him back in. The beauty right now is that you, you're not as reliant as you were three weeks ago on Tyrese Proctor because – Jared McCain can go for 20, 
and you needed that from Proctor three weeks ago. So now McCain can do that. Proctor can be more of what we saw of him. He can be passive Tyrese Proctor a little bit. And, and it's okay if Filipowski and McCain are both pumping in, you know, combined 35 a night. Yeah. I mean, right, and well, also too, Proctor is more ball dominant. The ball pops a little more without him out there because it's not a ball. Proctor needs a ball in his hand to be effective. Um, he's not a guy that's going to sit out there and spot up. And those two uh, freshman guards are, are are snipers essentially. So it's a whole different feel of their offense when he when when uh, you know the, he's not out there. Yep. All right, let's get into the toast of the night and let's get out of here so we can go start our New Year's Eve celebrations a night early. Uh, Goodman, I'm going to you first on this one. Toast of the night, who you got? Well, my first toast of the night is uh, happy 60th to one Chris Mack, field of 68. <laughs> um, it, it's unbelievable how he looks for being 60. I mean, I know he lost his hair a long time ago, um, but, man, that, that dude looks really good uh, for being 60. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I will, guess I'll, I'll cheers to you there, I, Mac. Happy happy 60th birthday. You look great for a 60 year old. I mean, we got a drink to that. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna my my toast is to Sean Jones of Marquette because again he's such a a killer on the defensive end and and a bulldog and that's what we kind of know of him. And I love when a dude is is dared to shoot the ball like that and and he he shows him like okay, you know what I'm gonna do it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to let it fly and let the chips fall where they may. And he made three big ones tonight. So, Sean Jones, uh, huge, huge shots tonight. Keep taking them, man. Yeah, in the words of Jay Wright, shoot them up, sleep in the streets. Henson, who you got? <laughs> I'm going to go the sneaky Demon Deacons. They've put together a decent little resume before they go into um, league play. They smoke Virginia Tech. Um, they're the only team in the country with four guys averaging over 15 points, which that makes them impossible to guard. I mean, four guys can score over 15 a night. So toast to them looking like the Wake Forest of old, potentially coming into the ACC season. Hey, speaking of the old Wake Forest of old, John Henson, was there a feared player that you wanted to get, did not want to get into a fight with in the NBA than James Johnson? Anybody? Uh, yeah, not James Johnson wasn't a guy. James Johnson probably was the guy, but he's undefeated in all his bouts and he's a basketball right. player. So yes. what if he focused on fighting? That'd be scary. Yeah. <laughs> who, who was the guy? Give me, give me the guy before Doster goes, give me the guy that you did not want to mess with that. Like at all, you wanted no part of because again, like, yeah, he would have kicked your ass. It wouldn't even – I wouldn't say – I mean, we could go like maybe like I wouldn't be able to be stuck in a in a five-by-five five room with Steven Adams. That was probably not a good <laughs> good thing to be. Um, but, yeah, off the top of my head, yeah, maybe Steven Adams. But I was more so worried about the guys that were like loose cannons, right? Like they might swing on you or you might have to swing back and, and then now, you you know, you could suspend it a game. We had a, we had a kind of like a saying in NBA. It was 70 – Like who? Uh, who was a guy like who? that? You didn't know what to expect. Like you just – Old school NBA, like I had Joe Prisbillo on my team. Um, he was a guy that, you know, you didn't want to mess with. Larry Sanders, who I played with. These are all teammates, by the way, but teammates get into it. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> Dr Draymond Green obviously is a guy that, that, that'll take it there. Um, even like a guy like Embiid, man, I, I don't, he's not much of a fighter, but I don't think you want to take a no. punch from him. 
I don't right. think uh, that's, that's probably not going to be good for you. Yeah. Yeah. There, sure. There's a rule that you, it's not just NBA players. There's a rule that I think everybody should have in life. You never fight crazy, right? If that person is crazy, you don't want to fight them. You don't want to go there with them. So that's a, that's a rule that I have in life. Um, learned that one the hard way. My toast tonight is going to go out to Jackson Shellstead, who had uh, 20 points and three assists as Oregon picked up their 10th win of the season, beating UCLA at home. They are now 2-0 and in the Pac-12. They've dealt with some injuries this year and felt like Dante's out, but uh, they've – uh, they put themselves in a position where uh, it's not infeasible for them to be able to make a run to the NCAA tournament at some point this year. Jackson Shell said, we haven't talked about him at all on the show, but he is a freshman from Westland, same hometown as Peyton Pritchard, averaging 14 points and three assists this year for the Ducks, uh, having a really good season and is part of the reason why they are in a position to be able to make a run here to the NCAA tournament. But listen, this has been a fun show. Uh, this is our last live show of – the uh, the sixty months. <laughs> this is. is our last live show of the 2023 calendar year. We have a show coming tomorrow at 8 p.m. Our New Year's resolution show. I believe that is Goodman. Uh, is that Goodman Henson Fanta. and Fanta? Yeah, yeah. And they will yeah. be we got some good uh, resolutions. Yeah, yeah, that will that will yeah. be streaming out tomorrow at I believe 6 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you tune into that. I hope everybody has a happy and healthy new year. And I hope you all ride with me as we uh we pull for this FAU live money line to find a way to hit because it would be very nice for the old bet MGM account if it actually does. See you guys in 2024. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com podcast.